0: Hello and welcome to the pain cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I'm your host and I am thrilled to be joined today by one of my podcasting role models. You might even say one of my podcasting idols. He is the host or co host of the No Dunks podcast, formerly the Starters podcast and the Starters TV show on NBA TV. Before that, the Basketball Jones, which he has co hosted for a number of years, all of these shows with several friends of his from back home in Canada. I can't believe that I'm talking to him on on the phone right now, but the host of the No Dunks podcast, J.E. Skeets, welcome to the pain cave.
1: How's it going? It's going great.
0: (laughs) It's going really good. I am isolated down in the cave, as I'm sure everyone is out there by the coronavirus pandemic. How is everything going down in Atlanta?
1: Yeah, it's uh, obviously weird times, um, but everyone is... You know, healthy. Everyone is good. I'm I'm very fortunate, very blessed to have a have a job that we can continue continue to do um, remotely. We don't. We like to be around each other. We're friends, all the guys with the No Dunks crew. Um, But we can still make it happen, just firing up our computer and talking, you know, over Skype or over whatever service we use, just like you and I are talking. So things are things are okay. Um, I. I really have no complaints despite, you know, the craziness of no, being no NBA season. And that's the other part. We somehow can just uh, talk about anything on our podcast and people uh, <laughs> seem to enjoy it enough to still listen to us. So we're blessed in that way, too.
0: Well, I mean, that yes, yeah, speaks to, I think, you guys as podcasters and as just personalities that, right, we're, we're probably... Uh, just about exactly a month into no NBA games, and you guys are still putting out a daily podcast that I'm enjoying almost every day, and I'm sure uh, many of your fans are as well. Although I have to say, I've listened. Yeah, it,
1: my mom, my mom is a bigger fan of the show now <laughs> more than ever because we're not talking about basketball, yeah. and, So
0: she's she's all in. And your producer JD seems much more engaged as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's no secret that JD doesn't care that much about the NBA and doesn't have a lot of opinions on it when we're doing an NBA daily show. But uh, he loves chiming in on movies or weird questions people send in or these weird squad episodes we're doing drafts. So, yeah, he's a lot more engaged. It's nice.
0: I, I'm loving the squad episodes. I, I think I've listened to pretty much every episode since you guys started showing up on the Grantland feed, uh, which has got to be almost 10 years ago. Uh, when you uh, back when you guys yeah. were with the score still and and when I realized that that was just we were getting one show a week from on Grantland and, and you guys had a daily show that was like that opened up my eyes and I, I, I'm pretty sure I've listened to every episode since then the summer episodes everything else uh, I'm drawing the line at uh, no buffs um, I, I just don't think <laughs> I can listen uh, a bunch of guys talk about uh, Survivor for an hour and a half it's it's a little bit too much for me Oh, well, that's, uh,
1: that's fair. I think you're making the wrong decision. Um, we've, we've been on fire in the No Bumps podcast. Well, it's like, yeah, like we obviously are trying to get creative and trying to continue to put out content for people to listen to with no basketball. I mean, that's not easy. We do a daily NBA show and suddenly there's none of it to talk about. So three of us, JD, Trey and myself are huge Survivor fans. We've always been Survivor fans. And we always talked about like starting our own Survivor podcast and then when this happened, we were like, OK, there's no excuse not to you know, put up a 30, 40 minute daily podcast or um, weekly podcast recapping the show. And the funny part is, um, you know, Lee and Tass have never watched the show. So they've started watching the show because we're doing the podcast. So it's sort of cool. Like we got some diehard Survivor fans and then some newbies. And I will say we haven't you know, we haven't converted you, um, <laughs> but we have converted a lot of people out there who were like, all right, I'll check this out. So, yeah, we'll, we'll eventually get you.
0: I, I, I'm impressed by the amount of buy-in that you have gotten from Tass and Lee. I kind of, I, going into that, I thought Lee was just going to be like, you know what, guys, I'm not going to call in for this one. You guys are on your own, but no, they they seem, they seem pretty committed.
1: Yeah. Lee is, uh, Lee is shockingly like into it now. Like he (laughs) is, he is all in. Tass, I feel is a little bit more hesitant still, but he's doing it, you know, for the sake of the podcast. Um, But yeah, we got Lee hook, line and sinker.
0: (laughs) That's great. That's so good. So Skeets, the reason that I wanted to have you on while while we are in, you know, isolation quarantine mode, I mean, as there's no basketball and anything else, it also means there's no uh, running, uh, ultra running marathons, anything like that. And that's kind of what we usually deal with on on this little show. But what we're trying to do during the quarantine period is to talk to people who are kind of known out in the world or out in Internet world or whatever it is for Whatever it is they do, but then they have running on the side. And I always want to talk more with people about the aspect of their lives that they don't really get to uh, address in in public. So that was kind of the main impetus for having you on. But before we get into that, uh, I do want to go back into your past, your background, especially the, the origins of the show and everything else because you guys really were on the podcasting scene before it was a scene at all and before most of us had ever even heard about podcasts. So take us back to, well, even before even before you guys started the show, because I, I think it's important to kind of get a sense of your athletic background and how you came to running and everything else. So you grew up in uh, Ontario outside of Toronto. That's right.
1: Yeah, I grew up in a small place called Stratford, Ontario, which is now known as the birthplace of Justin Bieber. But it used to be the birthplace <laughs> of J.E. Skeets. Um, but yeah. Yes. And then I went to school in Toronto. Yeah. University.
0: Yeah. So two of the greatest crossovers of all time then, Skeets and Bieber.
1: That's exactly right. I've, uh, I've been calling him out for years, too. I want to have a one-on-one game at Stratford for some charity. Um, I'd like to see if I could take him. He's a lot younger than me, obviously, but I feel like I could handle him on the basketball court. Uh, or, or maybe we should just have a straight-up race. We should just race. I don't know. Do That'd be 5K, good. 10K, something like that. That'd yeah. be good.
0: So growing up, were, were you uh, just a general athlete? Were you into, I mean, basketball you're only a few years younger than me which means that the NBA didn't get to Toronto until you were probably in your teens or 20s um, yeah. so was basketball a thing there growing up I know hockey must have been huge um you're probably I think about my size so hockey probably wasn't much of a consideration for you <laughs> <laughs> how dare you how dare you just
1: assume that uh, yeah no I'm one of the very weird Canadians that, uh didn't play hockey didn't ice skate growing up um if you know honestly a, a big part of it was financial reasons it's not cheap to play hockey no, it get isn't. ice time get equipment and stuff like that so that was a, that was a part of it and also i just i guess i did gravitate towards um some of the other sports maybe you're right because of my size and i was even smaller than i am uh, currently i was quite small <laughs> as a child um but yeah like to answer your question i was i think like most kids like just super into all sports right um i would have like probably years or summers where oh now I'm really into baseball or now I'm really into volleyball or then it suddenly you know once I hooked my teeth into playing basketball I was sort of off and running and I and I seemed to enjoy that one the most and maybe was the most skilled at that one but like played soccer and you know, obviously sort of ran track, or if you want to call it that. Um, that's embellishing, I think, a little bit. Um,
0: but yeah, just, Embellishing the sport I, or embellishing just, your participation in it?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, more my participation. Like, I don't know. It seems weird to say I was on the track team when I'm talking about like grade six and seven. Is that really a track team? It's like, I guess it sort of is. But uh, yeah, no, I just sort of played all sports until I fell in love with basketball around, like you said, around those those years when the Raptors were about to start coming to toronto or they were going to be formed but became a bulls fan like most kids and stuff like that so like 13 14 15 16 is really when i like really really fell in love with basketball
0: right and you played in high school
1: yep yeah, i played in high school um and like i was decent like i um you know i, I was good for a small ontario high school team i'm sure, sure. if you had dropped me anywhere in america i would have got my ass kicked but yeah i could i could hold my own and obviously enjoyed it so i played high school ball and then i didn't play college ball i mean i wasn't yeah I was like a little bit and a part of it of course size and stuff like that but I was not there uh, even on the level in Canada basketball at the time and it's gotten really really good now but uh, even back then it was still probably a level up from really where I was but yeah I did did all right with the guys winning some like three on three tournaments in Toronto and London like big cities and stuff like that so I was I was a decent player um, but stopped after high school yeah
0: what what was your game like were you like a poor man Steve Nash were you?
1: Yeah, I think I get a lot a of pass that. pass-first point guard? It's... Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, you know, speed kills even out there on the basketball floor. For so, uh, sure. Had had that to my advantage. And, uh, yeah, pretty good playmaker. Definitely more of a playmaker than a scorer. Um, so, yeah, Nash is an apt comparison. Not that I just sort of oddly look like him a little bit too, but he was my <laughs> hero, of course, growing, growing up Growing up in Canada, so, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I was a very, 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 very poor man's version of uh, Steve Nash.
0: Okay, fair. Uh, so after college, I know I know that your co-host uh, that, that you mentioned before, Tass and uh, JD uh, O, who was your producer for a long time on the starters, uh, you guys had all gone to school together, but coming out of college, you were working, correct me if I'm wrong, you were you were like recruiting physicians. Is that you were working for a recruitment firm?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was exactly that. Um, I sort of did a bunch of things in that office, uh, jack of all trades. Yeah, uh, it was a smaller, a smaller company, and um, you know, I needed a job sort of at the tail end of college, a part-time job, and that sort of spiraled into more of a summer job and a little bit more of a full-time job. But yeah, we were. The company was physician recruiter recruitment um, placing doctors in canada placing doctors in the states and i was more of like an it guy there i wasn't actually actively calling a lot of doctors or nurses and stuff like that but anywhere i could help around the office um i did so yeah that right. was that was my job for a couple of years there and while that was all going on you know we along with, you know, JD and Tass and I just at the start, the three of us started up, uh, started up the daily podcast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because you, like I mentioned before, you guys were kind of in the podcast space before that was really even a thing. I mean, we're talking probably yeah. like the the mid aughts, right? Like 05, 06, 07, somewhere in yep. there. And yep. I, I mean, so was it, did, did you know that you wanted a career in media and this was like the way to get in, and 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 that the NBA was just something that you guys loved, or and so that was what you decided that your career in media was going to take the shape of, at least at that point. How did you how did you well, recognize the podcasting space as, as the place to kind of make your mark?
1: Well, I'll be honest. I mean, we had no idea it would explode into what it's become now. Sure, of yep. course. Back in uh, two thousand five, two thousand six, but you know, we the answer is yes because we all went to school for radio and television. Um, we went to Ryerson University which was a, a pretty renowned school for, for that Avenue um, in terms of like, again, radio and television production and stuff like that. So that's where JD, I, I met him. That's where I met Tass. That's where I met Matty O too. Um, like who, who you said was a producer for a long time for us. Um, so yeah, we all had, you know, a desire to work in television. I think I could say it was uh, the idea was we always we probably went to that school thinking TV. I don't think a lot of people were thinking radio. Right. <laughs> um, even at that point. Um, But it was cool because it was such a hands-on program, um, and it was a four-year program. Like one year was solely for radio, and that was like at the at the time, um, that was like internet radio was just starting, and they had their own you know whole their own studio at Ryerson, which we could like play around with. We actually like JD and Tass had their own sports show um, before I even came into the mix and I had my own comedy show going on the radio and stuff. Like, again, this is internet radio. There's like 10 people probably <laughs> listening to it. Right. Eight of them are your friends and family. <laughs> but, you know, you could sort of, you can sort of wet your feet a little bit and have some fun and just like learn the equipment, of course, and stuff like that. So, you know, that was going on that we started doing TV. And I really, I really, um, d- I ended up doing a lot of stuff with GD. I sort of hit it off with him. And, uh, you know, in terms of just creating group projects and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was just we went to school, you know, obviously with um, some love or some infatuation with the idea of working in in media, um, again, either radio or television. And then as school was winding down, we just said, you know, JD was the one that came to Tass. And I was like, you know, we should create something like maybe that'll help, you know, you get a job um, as a sports host, like in Tass's case, or maybe it would help me with something. So we're like, yeah, let's just. Let's just make this thing. And JD is like, well, there's these things called podcasts. And like, we had no, Tass and I had no idea what the hell that was. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, it's basically radio. Throw it up online. People can download it to their phones and stuff like that on their computers. And we're like, all right, let's, let's give it a go. And then we just picked basketball because, you know, we're like, what are we going to talk about? Uh, JD knew that Tass and I were big sports fans. So we were just going to do a sports show. And then we thought maybe we should like, you know, pare that down. That's a little obviously broad. So right let's pick a sport that we're both really passionate about. And the one we decided on was basketball. I mean, we were both into it enough. Um, You know, it was high on our list of what we were really into. So uh, that's what we picked and just decided to, you know, make a weekly NBA show and uh, quickly turned it into a daily NBA show.
0: Yeah. So, and and you guys obviously are all working basically full-time jobs at this time. I mean, how... And this went on for a while. How, how difficult was it to kind of find the motivation to keep plugging away doing a daily show on top of working a full-time job? I mean, how many times – I guess what I want to ask you, Logan, how, how close were you guys to quitting uh, before this uh, there, actually happened?
1: Yeah there, yeah, there was a couple times. Yeah. I mean, I've said this before um, – you know, like one it was really fun and we were learning on the fly and and like you said there wasn't even podcasts around like definitely no definitely nobody was doing a daily mba show i know for a fact that we were uh, by far the first to be doing that right um so but we so we were you know, obviously trying to figure it out and, and enjoying it because at the end of the day i was just talking hoops with tash sure and and jd was making it sound great and then we were posting it and we got like a small little following right away and that of that of course encouraged us to like keep wanting to do it and like try new things because um, it was just really it was really surreal. It was like we record this little thing in JD's house, we'd post it, um, and then suddenly like we're getting emails from all over the world. And I'm not saying thousands of emails, but there's like, hey, I'm in Japan, I found this, this is great. Hi, I'm down here in America. Oh, this is I love this. Can you talk about this team more? Like, so we were getting that sort of instant feedback, which was really cool. But yeah, it was it was difficult because it basically became a second job. there's no doubt that we right. weren't getting paid for right And we all had a, we all had our lives. I mean JD was starting to have kids and we all had jobs uh, that we you know were working around and we were pretty fortunate that you know in my case at least uh, my boss Susan Craig at the time, Um, who was, you know, who owned the physician recruitment company. She, she like quickly found out what I was doing and sort of made it work that I could do that in the morning and then come in a little bit later, stay a little bit later. So yeah, we made it work, but I won't lie that like once we talked and I'm not talking about months here, I'm talking about years that we did this. And there were times when, you know, I'm talking like probably year three or so once we got in that it would be like, "Ah, I mean, what are we doing? Are we ever going to make money off this? Um, you know, can money even be made off this? Right, and there would sort of just be like this, like look in the mirror, sort of moments. But it was always good. It would always be like one guy would feel that way, and for whatever reason, the other two guys would be more like gun ho. Like, no, no, like we should stick with it. People like this. We're getting better. Let's put the hours in. And it was always like there was a nice balance. Like when somebody was a little down in the dumps and maybe wanted to call it, there was the other guys to sort of be like you know, build that confidence back up that we maybe should continue. And then like we would take turns, like then I would go down in the dumps and somebody else was talking me off the ledge. So like, (laughs) yeah, it was sort of like the nice little ebb and flow. And uh, yeah, we just continued with it. And then we added the video element and that was a big part that eventually sort of got us a full-time job out of it.
0: Right. Right. And right. Like you said, so much of it is just getting those reps over, I mean, doing a daily show for two, three years you know, before you're even really hitting that that kind of mass uh, distribution, you guys are so polished and you've been doing it for so long. But even early on uh, when when Trey and then Lee came on, I mean, you guys – you had that thing down to a science and it, and it really – I mean, it shows just the amount of work you guys put into it for sure.
1: Yeah, it, it, that's exactly right. It was just reps and the chemistry. I mean, that's like right. everybody always – Um, you know, that's like one of the first things people comment on the show, like generally if they like it, they're like, oh, the chemistry is so great between you guys and it's like, yeah, I think a part of it is natural, I guess a little bit that our, our, you know, our personalities just mesh really well and everybody can take a joke and crack on each other and stuff like that, like we just get along because we are friends, but there is no doubt just pure, especially with Tass and of course then with J.D. and now with the other guys, I mean, they've been there so long too, it's like just so many hours of of just getting comfortable with right. how to you know talk to somebody make it seem natural even in a podcast setting or a television setting it's uh yeah it's just hours upon hours upon hours of experience Which yeah. you're right we we luckily before we sort of got a little bit bigger and then turned it into a television show um you know we we were lucky enough to have uh have all those reps under our belt so i think it we were we were a little smooth um with new things that we were trying out
0: yeah and that's what it seems like you know when you listen to it is i mean you just get the sense that you guys are all friends outside the office i mean when, when you guys are really on what it feels like is you basically have been sitting around the office talking about basketball for the past three hours and you just turned it on you know you just turn on the, the mics now uh but this almost right. a continuation of what you've been talking about all day and it's just a bunch of guys sitting around shooting the shit which is i mean that's i think what makes that's a lot of the appeal of the show Your role on the show is, I I mean, I kind of think of you as the point guard. You're the one who kind of brings up the ball, for lack of a better phrase. You know, you're you're most of the time doing the intro, introducing the topics, throwing it to different folks. Did that evolve naturally, or was that something that you guys decided on early on was going to be the way that you were going to structure it?
1: Yeah, I think it was more of a natural thing, especially when it just started with Tass and I um, being really the only two talking, because JD was more just, of course, just producing and... We're the ones talking hoops. It's just more my personality. Right. Um, and that is by no means to say Task can't do it and hasn't done it and has done his own things now and is incredible at it too. just yeah. obviously completely different than I am, but it's just, it's more, it's just, it, you know, it's just my personality. It's just, I talk more, I want to like, I'm more inquisitive maybe, and I'm going to ask more questions and like, oh, that's, let's go this way and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, it was pretty natural. It definitely it wasn't too much of a thing like, okay, I'll do this and then you do that. It was just more sort of how we maybe already talked to each other and uh, and then just put it on, you yep. know, just recorded it.
0: Yep, yep. <laughs> um, one question I had for you regarding the show is, uh, you know, you guys are, are always playing all kinds of different little trivia games where, you know, just a weird topic will come up and, and it's like, all right, name, you know, who are the, the 10 you know, players on the floor for Michael Jordan's first game or something like that? And it takes you maybe mm-hmm. three minutes. And between the, the four or five of you guys, you, you can spit it out pretty quickly. Um, I mean, it's, it's just a very encyclopedic knowledge of not just the raps, which is where you guys started, obviously, but kind of the entire NBA for the past at least 20 to 30 years. Is that – I mean, where does that come from? Is that just being an obsessive fan for a long time or do you guys actually – You know, are you studying (laughs) up on different things like that? or, Or is that just, again, watching games for 30 years every night, basically?
1: Yeah, I think it's more just that. I think a part of it, though, is just being obsessive sports fans, too. Like, I know I was like that with, like, as a kid with baseball card that's what i was i I was like that with
0: like the yeah baseball in like the 80s because i was a mets fan the mets were good and and right it was but but part of that also was like i would read you know baseball trivia books and you know i would just like pour over stats and stuff like that um but yeah i guess it's just part of being a, a crazed fan
1: yeah i think it's just instead of now looking over the back of a baseball card it's i guess just because of the nature of my job it's like just absorbing john schumann stats and basketball <laughs> reference and like just everything um and having somewhat of a somewhat of a decent memory at times but um between especially between the four of us yeah we're pretty we're we're, we're pretty well covered i feel like we know our we know our stuff um when it comes to uh, oh yeah no it's super impressive last yeah
0: All right, we'll play a little trivia. We're going to play a little trivia at the end. But let's, uh, before we get there, let's pivot a little bit to running, which is ostensibly the focus of our show here. So when did you start? So yeah, you grew up playing all different sports, ball sports. I mean, I I tell people, I I was the same way. I grew up, um, you know, soccer, uh, baseball, uh, you know, too small for hockey and football, obviously. And, and, you know, my my mom was never going to allow anything like that. But Um, You know, I was I was I I kind of fell into running because uh, I was good at it and I was I was good enough at the other sports to kind of make the team, but never really good enough to get a ton of playing time. Uh, And, you know, running became the thing that I was good at and I was good at it before I really learned to love it. Um, You had more success and were able to uh, play on a, uh, at least a somewhat higher level in you know ball sports team sports how did you come to running later on i know you had a a little bit of a track background background but uh you know certainly not to the level that you're running these days
1: yeah no i think it's sort of similar to what you said i i knew i was always a fairly good runner um in in terms of longer distances uh as a kid and i did run like cross country and stuff like that and did really well when i was younger and enjoyed it from what i can remember Mm -hmm. um but i think then when you got into more of the grade seven and eights. Um, it was just more—I don't know—was it cooler? Was it just more fun to play the team sports like you said, volleyball, um, you know, basketball and stuff like that? I guess it was because I didn't, you know, I didn't really do track. I didn't do cross country too much anymore. Um I sort of moved on. But I always, again, knew there was no doubt I was—I was probably pretty decent at it. And I did like it when I did it. I just gave it up for a long time, and mm-hmm. so then I didn't really didn't really fall back into loving, um, uh, into loving running, excuse me, until probably about 2013. Um, it was around the time we were about to move down to Atlanta. So I think it was sort of the summer prior and, um, for really no other reason than I, I just remember seeing like Instagram accounts about run groups in Toronto. And there was something fascinating about that to me. And I was like, Oh, maybe I'll go out to one of those, um, you know, I'm a fairly social person and I'll see what this is all about. And, uh, there was two run groups in particular in Toronto. There's the, they were just starting at the time. It was called the night terrors run club. And, uh, one sort of, that was, uh, maybe uh, going a little bit longer, uh, was the Parkdale road runners. And it was in the area where I was staying at the time. So I sort of started just going out to these. And when I did, I thought that was really cool. And this is really neat. It's like, Oh, it's sort of like communal running. Um, this is this is cool and then they go have a beer after i'm down with that Mm -hmm. so that that was neat and then i will say i I remember too that around this time and and maybe i'm showing my ignorance maybe it had been around longer but i i remember like there being like the nike app and at the time again around 2013 if i remember correctly maybe 2012 i had learned about that and if there's one thing i like be it with sports um or like video games or anything like i love like tracking things Mm -hmm. and like seeing your development and being able to like you know oh i did this speed and distance uh this five weeks ago and now i can do this so that was a huge huge hook for me for running because it sort of made it made running to me like a weird video game um, or a weird fun challenge um and then i noticed when i was starting to run i was really really liking it and starting to wonder like oh could i do it this fast or what would be a good time and stuff like that so anyway like those two things together the running group and i think really like the nike plus app for me like really got me hooked around 2013 and then i've really been like a pretty consistent runner since then a casual runner don't get me wrong i'm no you know i'm no uh, amazing athlete out there but uh that really hooked me
0: well, it's, I mean, it's like stats, right? I mean, for an obsessive sports fan, yeah. I mean, it's its not a sport that lends itself to a ton of statistics, but when you're looking on an individual level, I mean, any kind of data that you can kind of look at and pour over and manipulate, I mean, if you're if you're already predisposed to enjoy something in that way, that makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, and, and then you start to learn, uh, again, loving the running part of it and then finding it cool to like track your times and your distances. And then the layer on top of that is like, oh my God. Like I am giving my all, and I'm running now these 10ks in X time, and half marathons in X time, and like, there are people that are doing it in like half that time, <laughs> and like you start to just have a whole new appreciation for obviously the athletes and, and the sport in general when you start just comparing yourself to like to those people. It's like this is this is incredible. Right. Um, so that part was really cool for me as well.
0: Do you? Um, I guess I want to say, do you identify yourself as a runner? I mean, when when you're kind of thinking about, um, you know, who you are, or what, you know, the the aspects of your personality, you know, it, it did take for me several years before, you know, that became kind of ingrained into who I was. Now, I started a lot earlier than you. So by high school, I would say I probably identified as a runner. But you know, among the other things that you think about of yourself, is that part of your identity or do you still feel it's just something that you do?
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean that's to I, me when
0: Yeah, and that's that's when it gets that's when you start really getting the the real benefit out of it is when you you know, you're really folding it into your life and who you are.
1: Yeah, it didn't take long for me to sort of adopt that mind frame and again, I think that speaks to my personality like once I was Once I found out I was sort of hooked and really enjoying it, um, and then, you know, it didn't take long where it's like, you know, I'm having a bet with my buddy that I can run a 10 K under 40 and he's like, there's no way you can do that. And you're like, yeah, watch. And then I'm training for that. And like, so it didn't take long for me to like really, (laughs) really become addicted to it. And then you, I mean, as most runners know, now I can't really picture life without running. Um, where you start to like, you know, f- you know, feel bad after a couple of days, if you haven't been able to get out there and it's like, it is like a weird drug and, or like, at least for me, it's almost like my yoga and stuff like that, which I think, you know, I've heard of many other people say as well. Um, so yeah, it didn't take me long, I think to, to, to identify as a runner for sure. Yeah. Um, because I, I was fascinated by races and then I was fascinated just by, you know, doing it just for the sake of my sanity. And like, just, it's, it's sort of gone a lot of different ways, um, identifying as a runner, but, you know, all of them enjoyable.
0: And, you know, you're selling yourself a little bit short, I think, saying you're more of a casual runner than anything else, because just doing a little bit of online stalking of race results, you are definitely not, or at least your results do not reflect the times that a casual runner would be expected to run. Let's, let's be Fair and honest here because no, nobody <laughs> runs a three-hour marathon without putting in the work. Nobody runs a 17-minute 5K without putting in the work. So I, I think it goes a little bit beyond uh, being just a casual runner.
1: Uh, that's fair. That's fair, and thank you uh, for uh, you know dropping those times. And I feel like my, my puffing my chest out a little bit more when you hear those. <laughs> um, but but then again, like I said, that's what I love. It's like yeah, with to my friends and to other casual runners. Um, oh wow, those are amazing times. That's incredible. Like, yeah, I put the work in for some of those times, no doubt. I did a lot of training for them, but then it's always mind blowing to me. It's like, yeah, there are people running marathons, you know, 40 minutes faster, <laughs> right. nearly an hour faster. And it's like, I can't fathom it. So I, I do, I, I find that part really cool, um, about just running in general. And I get a lot of people asking me cause I know I'm a runner and I share it on Twitter and stuff like that and talk about it on the podcast all the time. Um, know people that are like like how do i get started or i'm worried that if i you know i'll be too slow if i start or and i always tell people like if you can like go to a running group like i i my experience with them has been great um and they're like oh no i don't want to slow people down and i'm like no no you don't understand like that's not how it works. it's not like you're yeah it's not how it works it's like there are super fast people that are running together and encouraging each other and helping each other out they're like middle of the pack there are people at the back it's like it's it's not like you're all have to be one speed um it's quite the opposite of that um so it's what i encourage people to uh again try out run clubs or at least with my experience have been great
0: do you still have groups that you work out with down in i mean obviously not now during the the uh social distancing stuff but uh normally or when we go back to normal are there groups down in atlanta that you're still training with regularly or is it mostly solo
1: when i first came to atlanta because of where i lived um I hooked up with a, a group called the West Midtown Run Club, and they were right by my house, so it was great. I could do the show, I could zip over there and run with all of them, and they were great. They're still going; they're they're flourishing. Uh, but then I moved a couple of years later, and it's com- on the complete other side of town, and I hate driving as it is, so there was no way I was driving over there to then run. I'm right. just like, I'm I'm not that into it, and so I started running more again by myself, and I actually I really enjoy it. I sort of do a lot of training with my one buddy Jared um who he had just qualified for Boston unfortunately this year so that got canceled but he'll be there um so outside of him yeah I'm uh back to being for the most part a, a fairly solo runner uh mm-hmm. which is which is obviously I think a lot of people do too and I I like it um and especially because I can use it to like you know run through some NBA podcasts that I want to listen to from other people and or just straight straight out zone out so yeah I use it like that
0: do you uh, listen to podcasts a lot when you run yeah, I do.
1: I listen to a ton of podcasts when I run. Um, I know you reference the low sometimes. post.
0: You reference the low post a lot. That's another one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, I listen to Zach. Um, I listen to Ben mm-hmm. Um A lot of his stuff. I'll listen to uh, generally when the season's going on for sure. I'll, I'll try and catch Danny uh, Danny LaRue and Nate Duncan. Um, you know, I listen to even you know some of the Ringer guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I consume a lot I would say and and, I, and most of it honestly is yeah when I'm out there when I'm out there running
0: right so, yep what are your favorite places around Atlanta to run I've done some running out by like Kennesaw Mountain uh on Chattahoochee River by the trails down there do you stick to the roads or are you searching out any trails or anything like that
1: yeah, I have to admit I'm a big road guy. Um again, like running for me is just a part of it can be huge convenience. I think I guess a lot of things in my life. Like I'm always going to go to the hairdresser that's closest to me than
0: <laughs> to the
1: one that I've got to like venture. So like yeah, I like to put on my shoes, put on my gear, out the door, start up my podcast and be out the door and I'm running. Yeah. Um but luckily in Atlanta, you know, there's obviously the Beltline um which is expanding, you know, every couple months um, getting bigger and bigger it's eventually going to be like it's going to be pretty cool it's going to be like i think it's like going to be 28 miles like basically around the city wow um, which is it's a paved path and people obviously it can get a little dicey when it's busy out and on weekends with uh, dogs and bikers and stuff like that and, right you know, you're dodging all of them but uh yeah and you know there's just so many atlanta's such a green city so there are obviously just cool neighborhoods you can run in just uh, amongst trees and stuff like that but i, I have done some you know Trail running, like you said, Kennesaw Mountain, stuff like that. Um, oh, I'm forgetting, I'm uh, drawing a blank on another one. But yeah, I've done some of that. And it's great. I should do more trail running. I, I enjoy it every time I do. But uh, the convenience factor is huge, just to jump out there on the road. And yeah, some there's, some,
0: and, there's something about just being able to put your shoes on and go and yeah not, yeah, not have to drive anywhere and don't even think about it.
1: That's the part I hate the most. I hate driving to then run and then
0: having <laughs> to
1: drive back. I just I just don't love that.
0: You ran Boston last year, correct? Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Three o seven. A very, very solid time. And I think your is your PR. The the fastest I saw online was three flat. Have you been under three or not quite yet?
1: I've never been under three. All yeah. right. So three, it's got. So it's going to happen. Yeah, that is the goal. Well, I guess it's sort of two goals. It eventually will be to run Boston again and run it a lot better. I did three o seven, but it was an atrocious race. I was not not happy with how I ran it and it was my first time. And I think maybe that happens to a lot of people that run Boston yes. for the first time I did, I did some things wrong let's just put it <laughs> that way. Um, but yeah, I'd like to eventually try and get under three hours. I was close in Jacksonville. That's what qualified me for Boston. I did three hours, 32 seconds. So I was right there and I felt great. I'm sure it's, you know, looking back, I guess I could have done it. Um, so I know I have it in me, I guess right. is the better way to put it. Um, and yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, hope to get back to Boston uh, one day and, uh, Try and do it a little better than the three hundred seven, which I know I can do too, because you uh, you learn a lot after running it the first
0: time. It's definitely it's definitely a, a race where course knowledge and course experience helps, and also just the oh. just the um, just knowing what it's like to to be in Hopkinton at the start with all those people around, and and you know you're there for so long and everything else, and, and just not burning so much nervous energy, just running around Hopkinton and trying to figure out where you're going and everything else.
1: Oh, totally. And I mean, you really do. It's difficult because of course, when you're starting, it's fairly narrow. You're running with, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're qualifying, you're obviously a good runner and, uh, you're starting with people that are just as good as runners as you. Um, and if, and, and much better. So it is, it's tough, not, it's tough to hold back in that race. Um, especially, you know, you're going downhill a little bit too early on. It's, uh, I just, I ripped it way too fast. And you just get caught up in it all. You're, you're pumped, like you said. You're running with great runners. It's hard not, it's hard not to get swept
0: along too quickly.
1: Easy, easy to fall into that trap. And it, it came back to bite me in the ass, uh, you know, (laughs) when you hit the hills. And, uh, you know, it, it, it knocked the snot out of me. It got humid that day, too. I ran it in 19. Uh, in 2019, but yeah, no excuses. I could have done it better, and <laughs> yeah, that's that's the fun part. Hopefully, I'll get back to, to give it a go again. It was still awesome, as much as it sucked. Uh, I loved it. I loved every second of it.
0: It's an amazing place, an amazing experience. But humidity, actually, that's one thing I wanted to ask you. Running and training and racing uh, down in the southeast, you've got to deal with en- with heat and humidity all the time. Coming from Ontario, that can't be the easiest thing in the world. But looking at your no. times, it seems like you deal with that stuff pretty well.
1: Yeah, I actually, I am um, i don't know. I guess I am one of those people that I, I, I prefer it to be a hell of a lot hotter than it being cold. I can't really? stand running in. Yeah, I can't stand running in the cold. I can't, you know, run obviously in like wet rain and stuff like that. I hate it. Um, yeah, I can. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm oddly designed to run in pretty stupid humidity and uh and and you know heat i don't mind it i actually sort I mean, of get a kick out of it i, I mean saw it, your... it can, you gotta be you gotta be wise about it too no doubt but uh, I, I prefer it
0: i saw your mile pr 436 on a 96 degree day
1: is that what it was yeah, yeah i guess according to Athlinks, anyway uh, yeah wow okay <laughs> 436 is that what you said you had me to i thought i, I always thought it was 439 oh
0: they have a 436
1: Oh, okay. I'll take that. Maybe I know you I'm got some wheels, man. You've got friend. some wheels. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Um, yeah, once I get going, this, yeah, look, we're naming, we're naming times here that I did a couple of years ago. So I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I still have this speed in me. Um, uh, Skeet, but, you're going
0: to, what you're going to realize in a few months when you turn 40 is that this is all we have left is the times that we ran yeah. five and 10 years ago. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some sad truth to that. There's no doubt. Cause even like, I'm like, You know, I generally just run for fun, like I said, or to meditate even, or just to zone out and listen to a podcast. But like, you know, you go out there and I look down at my watch and I'm like, I feel like I'm booking it. And I'm like, (laughs) 750. And I'm like, what the hell? How the hell was I running? You know, uh, a full marathon uh, sub sevens like it feels impossible. Yeah, well, right now.
0: But so the the beauty of getting older is you just you move up to the ultras and then you can look down and see oh nine minute pace, pretty good, not bad. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) It's a lot better.
1: I just don't know. I'm sure maybe I will one day. I know. uh, I don't know if you read Paul Flannery with SB Nation. Um, Uh huh. Yeah, a lot. I've been really enjoying his uh you know his writing on running, Um, and he does a lot of trails and a lot of ultras now and stuff like that. He's, he's such a great writer. And he's was one of my favorite basketball writers. So it's really cool to watch him write about this stuff now. But I just, I just can't imagine me running long, those long, long distances. It's just uh, seems mind boggling to me. But then again, I remember when I first started running and the idea of running a marathon.
0: It's exactly. Crazy.
1: So I guess you just slowly bump it up.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And, and it does just bring all the kind of things that you're talking about in terms of what you get out of it and everything else and it just brings it into into a sharper relief when, you know, as you go longer and longer, it's, you know, it, I'm, I'm not going to say it's all, you know, uh, rainbows and, and flowers and everything, but it is, uh, it, it definitely heightens the experience uh, as as you move on. So, yeah, you got that look to look forward to, but not b- not before you break three hours. Got to go sub yeah, three exactly. hours first. Let's That'll we'll, be the goal. take care of That'll business.
1: That'll be the goal. Yeah.
0: Let's do a little bit of NBA running crossover before I let you go here. So I was trying, you know, I I was trying to find some information on like who is the fastest NBA player ever to run a marathon or something like that. You know, you see all this stuff in runner's world all the time or, you know, online now where so-and-so from the NFL or from, uh, you know, Major League Baseball is now retired and they're running marathons and this and that. And I, I was able to find this for almost every sport except the NBA. I could not find a, an example of a single NBA player, a retired NBA player, at least in the media, who went on to run marathons. It, it just seems like a skill set that doesn't translate, you know, quite, although you wouldn't think for, for the NFL either necessarily or, or yeah. you know, NASCAR driving or whatever. But, um, you know, it's, it just doesn't seem like something that NBA players get into. But if you had to if you had to pick an NBA player who you think would be a marathoner could run a good marathon who would you go with?
1: Oh, I know. I'm glad you said that because uh, this question's been addressed to me a lot when people find out I'm a runner and I get some sort of like NBA running cues or stuff like that that people email in, and it's tough. You're you're right. It just appears to be not a lot of um, current players, of course, or even foreign players. I will say Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. I. From what I know, having uh, sort of been around him at times and what I've seen, I'm sure he was in a, he was at the back of a running magazine, like one of those pages, like, oh, celebrity runner.
0: Right, right, Um,
1: So, and and from what I know, again, through other people, he is a legit runner. Now, I don't know if he's throwing down marathons or if he's, if he's doing that at all, or if he's just doing a couple Ks or miles a day, but seems to be a runner. And that makes sense. He's like fairly, you know, he's tall, of course, but fairly light. Yeah. Gangly. As a
0: player. Yeah. Yeah. Ray, Ray, Allen, Ray Allen's a name that I saw who also, you know, um, not again, not marathons, but uh similar kind of thing, like ten K's and maybe running ten to fifteen miles at a time. Similar kind of frame, similar build.
1: Yeah. Um I know Kendall Gill, a uh, former um
0: Ooh, you know, really? player in the
1: league. Yeah, he definitely He definitely runs now. A lot of it that might be more linked to like being a boxer um, and stuff like that.
0: Right. But uh,
1: he's he's an unbelievable athlete, and I know I've definitely talked to him before through Instagram about running and stuff like that. Um, If I had to pick, though, yeah, like a current player, I'll go current player. Okay. Complete guess. I mean, he might (laughs) laugh at me and say, "There's no way I would do that." I'm gonna pick um, De'Aaron Fox.
0: De'Aaron Fox.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes, De'Aaron Fox. The point um, guard. Yeah, the point guard for the Sacramento Kings. Yep. Obviously, a young guy. Now he's super, super quick.
0: I'm mean, one of the um, fastest guys in the league.
1: Yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be from from baseline to baseline, with or without the ball. Right. Um. But he also, you know, he's slender. He's. I mean, he's just a kid. I get it. But he's going to add muscle and stuff like that. But he's he's got the frame to me, and he's sort of like. I think the reason I pick him is because he looks like he has like a beautiful sort of running stride. Like right. it looks like it would be just like so flawless um, and that he, you know, it wouldn't be difficult for him to, you know, put down fast 10Ks right. and half marathons and stuff like that. So that's, again, he might laugh at me and go, no, nah, I'm going to play Call of Duty. <laughs> no, thanks. Um, but I'll go De'Aaron Fox.
0: Okay. That's a good, good choice. And yeah, you want that fluidity, that economy of movement basically when you're going to be doing yes. it for hours at a time. All right. Let's play a little bit of running NBA trivia. Can you name, and I'll, I'll help you along here as you guys do with each other. Can you name the 10 NBA players who have run the most miles per game this season?
1: Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I'll probably need some help. Okay. Um, okay. Let me let me take some guesses, though. Tell me if I'm right. Uh, let me throw uh, a CJ McCollum.
0: <laughs> CJ McCollum, number one, right off the bat. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Beautifully okay. done. I think I knew that. All right. Um, and and you know his teammate is going to be on there as well.
1: Okay. Okay. So Lillard's there as well.
0: Lillard is number seven. Good. Go ahead.
1: Okay, um, let me throw. I need like guys that are running around off screens, like a
0: JJ Redick. No, not on the list.
1: Ooh, ooh, okay. Okay,
0: but you know that um, that's that's interesting. You have uh, you say that because in previous years, both Steph and Clay, both guys who are going to come off screens quite a bit, uh, are usually in the top five looking back. So both injured, right. obviously, this year. But uh, okay, no, no JJ.
1: Okay, so should I be leaning towards? that idea of like guards
0: um, it is mostly guards. guards i see okay. eight guards and two wings in the top 10 here mostly okay. yes most but it uh, uh interestingly enough it's it's actually mostly ball dominant guys you got a couple of guys off the off the screen um including one from your hometown team
1: oh okay okay so let, let's first off is like a Kemba Walker on the in the mixer.
0: No, you're you're on the right track, but uh, you know, more younger, more active guys.
1: Oh, more younger, more active. Okay, give me a Bradley Beal on the Wizards.
0: Number three, very good. Okay,
1: okay, good, good, good. Uh, you said there's a Raptor. Uh, okay, it's not going to be. You got?
0: I got two uh, Raptors on here actually.
1: Two Raptors.
0: Two Soccer. Raptors. Uh, and uh, one starter and one kind of uh sixth man. Although, I guess he's sometimes finishing games.
1: Okay. So, my one guess is Pascal Siakam.
0: Number nine. Very good. He's one of the wings. Okay.
1: Okay. And then the other one will be, um, you said, uh, maybe a Norman Powell?
0: Mm, Along those lines. Fred Van Vliet? Fred Van Vliet, number five. Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. 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 Uh, How many guys are left?
0: You got, uh, let me see here. One, two, three, four. You got five left. Um, Okay. Okay. You got five left. You had mentioned JJ, but uh, give me one of his teammates.
1: Oh, someone on the
0: Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, number six. Yes.
1: Okay. Well, let me guess. Uh, John Morant is, is that? Is he on
0: there? He is not on there. Surprisingly, wow. yes. That's shocking! that's shocking! You've got. Uh, who do you have left? You have mostly guards left. You get. You're still missing number two. This is a very high scoring uh, point guard. Maybe a good stats bad team guy. We don't really know yet.
1: Ooh, okay. Uh, Trey
0: Young. Trey Young is number ten. Uh, he was also on the list. Yeah, along those lines. Uh, been in the league a couple more years. Actually, we got two more guys kind of like that. Not not with mm. not with Trey Young's range necessarily. Oh,
1: oh, maybe. Um is Devin Booker? Devin opposed? Booker
0: number 2. Yes.
1: Uh, okay, yeah. I should have guessed him early. Yeah. Okay.
0: And uh you got and, number 4 uh one of Trey's favorites or maybe somebody Trey loves to hate.
1: Oh, Trey Kirby or yeah. Trey Young.
0: No, tra- oh, sorry, <laughs> Trey Kirby. <laughs> uh
1: Trey loves to hate uh, I mean Trey l- is uh it's not Jimmy Butler. No. No. Current Bull. Okay, well, yes. Oh, Um Zach Levine. Zach
0: Levine, number four.
1: Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay.
0: McCollum. Here, let's see. McCollum, Booker, Beal, Levine, Van Vliet, Holiday, Lillard. You got Siakam and Young. All er, right, you, no, you're missing number eight. Teammate of your your pick for an NBA marathoner.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, I guess it's gotta it's gotta be Buddy Hield.
0: No, surprisingly.
1: Whoa. Okay, it's got to be... Former
0: NBA champion.
1: Harrison Barnes. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow, I would never have guessed that. That
0: was the one that shocked me, right?
1: Yeah, that seems weird. Wow.
0: Yeah, basically even, more or less even with Lillard and Siakam.
1: Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't pick Harrison Barnes, Harry Moe. But (laughs) all right, Black Falcon flies again.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Skeets, before I let you go, I actually have two questions for you. One, I've never actually heard you... Say this on the pod necessarily, and if you don't want to answer, that's fine. But where does the nickname come from?
1: Um, it's not a great story, which is why it doesn't come up that much. Um, <laughs> the reason, the reason was, and again, it's not a great story, so I'm warning you now. Um,
0: <laughs> I can cut it if need be. <laughs>
1: yeah, right before, no, no, right before uh, we started podcasting, I actually started blogging uh, about basically about random stuff, but a lot of it. Quickly became about the MBA. And in doing so, I knew I was going to be doing that at work at my physician recruiting job. And I was like, oh, I better not use my real name. I don't know. I don't want my boss getting upset finding like this article I was, you know, wrote on lunchtime or maybe some of the company time. So I just decided, uh, okay, well, I need a moniker and, um, you know, my middle initial and then my last initials, J.E. And for whatever reason, I had remembered at a cottage weekend with uh, friends um, finding the name Skeet, the the term Skeet's hilarious. And I was like, J.E. Skeet's. All right, I'll go with that. Like put like maybe 10 seconds worth of thought into it, um, which I re- sort of regret now because uh, <laughs> that's all I'm referred to. Um But yeah, that's it. That's the story. So I just came up with that and I ran with that. I thought it was a pretty funny and memorable name. And uh, I guess I turned out that I was right.
0: It's worked Um, out well for you. But that's amazing. I I always assume that that was like uh, something from college or or even beforehand.
1: No, no, it was from it was definitely my I feel like my buddy Kenner Brody said it at a cottage weekend, like skeet shooting came up and skeets came up like this, that term. And I sort of kept it in the back of my head and then uh, threw the J.E. on the front of it. And, uh, the rest is sadly history as they say, wow. <laughs> but uh, I actually, I've said this before. I, I don't mind having like sort of a weird dual life where it's like I'm Skeets and then my, my real name Phil. It's like, it's nice when I'm out and people say, Hey, Skeets, what's up? I know right away. Like, Oh, you know, they're, they're fan of the show. a fan right. of the show or whatever. And if I'm referred the other way, it's like, okay, I somehow know you in my real life.
0: Uh, right. <laughs> so it sort of works out well that way. Do the guys on the show when when you guys are hanging out socially are you still Skeets? I assume you are with, um, th- with them or
1: yeah no it, that one goes back and forth
0: really just hanging oh, out wow. with them.
1: yeah and that's why sometimes it doesn't happen often but sometimes they'll slip up on the podcast and drop a <laughs> fill in um, <laughs> but even when I was at like when I was at Turner with the with the starters um, at NBA TV like. Mm-hmm. I just decided early on, I'm like, I'm just going to basically introduce myself as Skeets to everybody, because that's when it gets confusing when it's like, oh, well, I'm actually this, but everybody calls me this, so pick which one you want to call me, so <laughs> I just leaned into going basically with uh, with Skeets, and I was like, so everyone at Turner calls me Skeets, almost no one calls me Phil, right. but yeah, the guys, because I've known them for so long, um, you know, I'm Uncle Phil to their kids and stuff like that, oh, so okay. yeah, it's like a weird, it's a weird double with some of them, yeah.
0: Very funny. All right, last thing before I let you go is the game that I play with all my guests called Desert Island Picks. I am going to send you to a desert island for one year. You are going to be able to bring one book, one album, one food, and one beer. Now, you can answer this however you like. This is the kind of thing that I think, you know, you guys could obsess over a little bit on the show. Because, you know, some people are going to just say, like, well, you know, I'm going to a desert island, so it needs to be specifically this sort of food or this sort of book and for some people it's just their favorites you can answer it however you want but one book one album one food and one beer for a year on a desert island
1: okay well the book um i i never finished it so i'm gonna have all the time in the world it's a big (laughs) book which is good i'm gonna
0: go with infinite jest uh, <laughs> i'm gonna take that bad boy out there <laughs> yeah that one's on my uh, nightstand that has been on my nightstand for a good three or four years intimidating yep, yep. intimidating tome go on
1: <laughs> yep so uh yeah i'm gonna have all the time in the world um food well this is funny because we recently did um you know some sort of variation of this because we did a we did a quarantine draft where it's like you can only have one food and right Yes. i got cl- I i got clowned for my pick i had the number one pick in that category and i picked um what I said was the superior version of rice, quinoa. Give me quinoa. And I got clowned by the guys and everybody online for that. But now. I stand by my pick. I stand by it.
0: Got okay. To be, to be fair, that was that was like a quarantine food. It was supposed to be like a non-perishable kind of renewable sort of yeah. thing.
1: Yeah, it, but yeah, you're still yeah.
0: going, you're still going with that, okay? Well, good. <laughs> yeah, I'm either gonna go I'm either gonna
1: go quinoa or rice because I do love Survivor so much. I eventually want to be on Survivor, uh-huh. so I need to practice. So maybe I, you know what? I'll just go rice because I gotta get good uh, at just rice. Gen- okay. rice.
0: rice. Okay, general
1: rice. Okay, one um, album. Yeah, that one's tough. That one is.
0: Ooh,
1: I'll probably go Sloan. Okay, Sloan. Look, good Canadian rock band. Um, you know, I'll, go, I'll I'll cheat a little bit. I'll likely go to like one of their greatest hits. Okay, so I got all so I got all the jammers. Nice. Um, and wow, what was the last thing? It one one beer. beer. One beer. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm actually maybe it's just a recency bias, but I'm there's uh, I'm trying to support this local brewery right down the street called uh, um, the Wrecking Bar, and they make their own beer there, and they've got like this. Uh, some sort of Vienna lager that they're working with. I actually oh. forgot the name. I don't have it in front of me. But uh, I'll pick that beer. All right. <laughs> whatever the heck that one is because I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm, you know, walking over there, calling in, um, and I can pick it up. They do the curbside thing. So, yeah, Wrecking Bar Pru, uh, Brew Pub here in Atlanta. That sounds great. They their own beer. Awesome. Yeah, it's good. It's really, really good. I'm all in on it even though I can't really remember the name of it. But it's a Vienna beer.
0: Okay. Very cool. Skeets, this was so much fun. Thanks for doing this.
1: Really appreciate it, man. Thanks for reaching out on Twitter. And um, I'm going to have to start listening to this. The pain cave. I like it. Great, all right. Uh, great interviewer.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Push it out to all your friends and and uh, listeners. And uh, for all of you guys out there, you can check out Skeets along with Trey and Tass and Lee and JD on the No Dunks podcast. It's a daily NBA podcast on TheAthletic.com uh, and on all your regular podcasting devices. It's, it's uh, you don't need the pay subscription to The Athletic to listen. You can listen for free, but we do recommend subscribing, don't we?
1: That's absolutely right. (laughs) But hey, however you want to listen to it. You know, uh, some people actually prefer to hear our live ad reads and you get those on Apple and Spotify. We actually take those out because it's a paid subscription to The Athletic. But some people are like, they're so damn good. I need you to try and sell me the black tux. Well, that's how it, good we are at live
0: ad Read. When it's JD's turn to do the live ad read, that's that's when hilarity starts to ensue because he's he that's takes right. he takes some of the copy personally. I think.
1: Oh, yes, yes. He puts a lot more work into those live ad reads than some of us. Cough, Lee Ellis, cough, Lee (laughs) Ellis.
0: And, uh, no, guys, uh, if you follow the NBA or don't follow the NBA, No Dunks, a really great show. And if you don't follow the NBA, now is the perfect time to get in, as they like to say, because they are doing all kinds of ridiculous stuff. Last week, we not only listened to their thoughts on Air Bud, but also they drafted the perfect (laughs) sandwich. So, yep. For, for more scintillating content like that, please subscribe to the No Dungs podcast. Skeets, thank you so much. Guys, continue to subscribe and comment, download, rate, review, and all that other good stuff. And until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. a good old pair of jeans Rusted like a proud old car drove a little too far And see
1: too much rain But long ago as a child I look back The night sky and wild wonder man. And ride the bus And feel upset Still young